Today's actually my last Sunday before I get to go on sabbatical. Um, the leadership team uh, is either kicking me out or glad that I'm getting a break. I'm very grateful. My family's grateful they're not here today because they're filling our living room with things that they want to bring up to see their cousins and family up north. So I'll probably come back speaking faster, saying things like bag, uh, but hopefully um, just refueled by God for this next season. Uh, please be praying for us, and of course I'll be praying for you guys. Um, I, not shocking. I had some emotions, which is my norm, but walking in today, just some emotions about like, man, I'm not going to be with this family for a few weeks. I'll be back September 4th, but um, yeah, I just, I got to brag on you the last few weeks to some folks. I, I just love this church. I love who you are. I love being able to journey with you. Uh, you're in really good hands with with Kat and Rob and, and the leadership team here. Uh, you guys are going to have a great couple months and I'll vicariously uh, live through the stories and we'll connect back up on September. But we're starting a series today called Experiencing God in Different Ways. And the way that we're looking at today is actually through the Sabbath, which is, I get like a year's worth of Sabbath, but, but through the Sabbath. And for me, this has been a revolutionary topic. This has been a revolutionary finding really since one church started. So when one church began, I was running at about 10 million miles an hour. And I remember particularly at, at one point, I had been, I believe it was in Michigan, and then I had to catch a flight from Michigan to Ethiopia to lead a team in Ethiopia, and then I was needing to fly to Chicago. I was actually flying in on Saturday, preaching on Sunday, flying to Chicago with Nikki for an evaluation thing on Monday. And all of this was kind of the norm. And I don't say that in a cool way, I say that in a dangerous way. And uh, I remember when I got to Ethiopia, I had about 12 books that I wanted to read through, which is a bit normal. But I was like, I need to read through all of these on this trip as well as do the trip. Which, if someone ever says that to you, they're unhealthy. And that's where I was. And the first book I picked up was a book by Walter Brueggemann called Sabbath is Resistance. That was all about like, hey, if you're running at this unbelievable speed, you need to stop. And I was like, huh. And I got through none of the other 11 books. <laughs> and I barely got through that one. And I remember when we went to Chicago, I cried because I was like, I can't go at this speed. It's going to kill me. I'm not going to love my family well. I'm not going to love my church. I'm, not, I'm physically not going to make it. My body's not going to do it. And it began this process of, okay, I need to learn to Sabbath for survival. And it's changed to be, now I Sabbath for real delight and joy and for different reasons. Um, but we're going to talk through that a little bit. And that's my context in it, is that I, I don't say this as someone who's good at it. And if anyone is good at Sabbath, then they don't get Sabbath because it's not something to be good at. But I don't say this as an expert. I say this as something that, like, I don't know that I was going to make it as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as all these things. And it wasn't because I had these horrible secret faults that I was hiding. It was that I was running at the speed that the world and often the church invite us to run at. And it was going to kill me. 
and nobody said I had to run at that speed. You all were never like, Matt, I need you to run 700 miles an hour. I just picked it up and everybody was okay with it. That's part of the problem in our culture. We're okay with each other burning out because we get an advantage from that. Um, but in slowing and in learning to Sabbath and in learning to experience God in different ways, I feel like the invitation in my life is completely different. And I want it for you as well. So, Kat's letting me talk on this subject. Let's pray, and then we'll venture through it, and hopefully by the end, uh, we have a Sabbath moment, okay? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we trust that you are in this space and that you can speak to us much better than I can. Jesus, we thank you for the ways that you have been our friend through the darkest of times, and the way that you have been our Savior on the cross and for our soul and our life and all of that, but our, our Savior in so many other ways as well. Father, we know that you created this world, and we ask that you would invite us into the way in which you created it, and that we might find ourselves in that pocket of, of speed and rest and work and that rhythm that you created us for, that we might find life there. In your name. Amen. All right, the text that we're going to look at today is Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy, I, I know that's probably where you were reading this week. Uh, there's, there's a great text on Sabbath and Exodus. There's, throughout Scripture, we see the idea of Sabbath, but we're going to look at Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. And I, this is a a verse that's like written, this is a book that's written to a people who just left slavery, right? They're in the generation that left Egypt. And so they had their, like as we've talked about this book, My Grandmother's Hands, that, that talks about how our body carries the trauma of past generations and that. Their body carried all the trauma of slavery. All that they knew was how to be a slave. All that their parents knew was how to be a slave. The grandparents the same. And so then they go out into the wilderness, and they're learning how to live as freed people. That's what the Ten Commandments are. How do we live according to what God designed, but as free people, as children, not as slaves? It's, it'll help us read the commandments different. Uh, and in this one, we get the commandment on the Sabbath, which says in verse 12, 12 and 13, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So we're told right here that there is a pattern to life, that there is six days for work and one day for rest, that that's God's intention, that it, you are not intended to spin the whole world all day every day. That the idea of 7-Eleven is not good news. That a news channel being 24-7 is not actually good news. The good news is that we can trust that if we don't know for a day, we'll make it. Which is radically different than the way we, like, sometimes, I, I know I'm not the only one, sometimes when I wake up, I pick up my phone to see what I missed in those six hours. That's that's not the rhythm God created me for. And here's the thing, when we go against the rhythm that God created us for, we actually create dis-ease, and sickness comes in. 
Wayne Muller writes, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. And I think we know this story. I think if we were around a dinner table instead of facing this way, I think if we were at a slow invasion class and just talking, we could tell stories from our own lives and the lives of people that we love that illness sneaks in because we will not rest. We will not stop. I remember at one time when I was in college, my dad was my Superman. And when I was in college, I get a call that my dad is in the hospital. And I'm like, dad doesn't go to the hospital. What are you talking about? And so Nikki and I drive to Minneapolis. We go to the hospital. My dad's laying there in a hospital bed. He looks horrible. And I'm like, what is going on? And his systems had started to just shut down. Why did his system shut down? Well, he had kind of stopped eating because he didn't have time. But it was at the time that, you guys know caribou coffee? That, that started in Minneapolis, and it started, this is dating myself, it started in kind of a marriage with Northwest Airlines that doesn't exist anymore. I think Delta bought them. But Northwest, when they were flying out of Minneapolis, said, we'll use caribou coffee, and it helped them get a launch and all this, but the rule was they would have these four-pound bags that could only go with, like, the, the crew, and then once the crew changed out, they needed a new bag of coffee, and they didn't go through four pounds, but my dad flew all the time, so they would just hand that bag to my dad. He didn't have time to eat, but he had time to drink coffee because he's an S, and so he just drank pot after pot after pot of coffee because the lie of coffee is that if you drink enough, you do not feel tired, and you don't need to sleep. And so he just drank enough coffee to shut down his entire body where he couldn't do anything. And so he's just lying in the hospital for like a week. A week in a hospital. Like they want you out yesterday. A week in a hospital. And what was wrong with him is he wouldn't stop. And he had found something that allowed him to not need to stop. I have coffee right there. We're socially okay. We're culturally okay with coffee. It, coffee is often one of my best friends, but it lies to us, right? My point is not to get you off of coffee. My point, <laughs> my point is I think we can relate to this idea that we are too busy to get sick, and then we don't slow down because we misunderstand our value. And then we have to get sick. It's actually God's gift that we get sick and have to slow down a little bit. You'll remember last fall when I broke my foot. Those of you who were around, I broke my foot, but I didn't listen to my body, so I kept walking, and I re-broke my foot, and there ended up being three places that were messed up, and the doctor was like, stop. And uh, my sister was just making fun of me because I happened to go up for my mom's 70th birthday and there was a 5K for my aunt. And of course, we're going to do the 5K in a boot. And went and did this 5K in a boot. I lapped some people, thank you. (laughs) But here I am like six months later and my foot doesn't feel the same as the other one. And I think the reason is because the doctor said, you got to stop. And I was like, I got a boot. I don't have to stop. And we do this, right? And part of why we do it, I remember that, that uh, St. James Art Fair day was at Wayne and Wendy's 
house and there was a child dedication. We're setting up tents because it's raining and there's babies and I can't hold babies and I can't set up tents because I want to do all those things, but I'm in a dumb boot and I'm on crutches and I can't do that and I want to be able to do it because sadly, probably still, even though I love the Sabbath and it has changed me, probably still part of me finds my identity in the fact that I can set up tents and hold babies and do all that and if I'm on crutches with a boot, I'm not really me. This isn't meant to be just confession, but maybe it is a little bit. This is the stuff that Sabbath helps to rework in us. It helps to change in us. Think on these words for a second. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. How good does that sound? Like actual rest. Part of the reality for us is our willingness to rest is dependent on what we expect. I know quite a few people who say, I can't nap because when I nap, I wake up crabby. Any of you guys like that? Yeah, and so they're like, I will not nap. And they're exhausted, <laughs> and they're like fidgety, and their, their feet kick. You know, you know people who have that like foot thing, that when they're tired, their feet just keep moving? I don't understand. And we just don't know how to rest. And I think part of that is what do we expect will come if we rest? I know some other people who are honest that, that won't take a nap because they feel like that's lazy, and they don't want people to think they're lazy. You see, there's a nobility in our culture to being tired. We think that means we really matter. But we make ourselves tired on things that don't really matter. So we get our work done and then we like watch TV or like go on social media or just media or whatever. And we just get ourselves tired because we think that that's more impressive to one another. At least in this little culture right here, can we let go of that? Like, if you come in tired, there's no safer place to be. But let's not make the end game to be tired. Because that's not good news to the world around us. If we go to our neighbors and we're like, oh, we are so exhausted for Jesus. They don't want Jesus. They're already tired. Why do they want Jesus then? But if we come in as people who, like, have coffee because we like it, not because we need it, and we laugh a lot, and, and we enjoy life, and when we are worn out, we look out for each other, that's good news. That's some good news. But the other thing about this is that I had to learn that Sabbath was not just rest, because we rest weird. Sabbath is actually meant to be kept holy. Abraham Heschel says, In the language of the Bible, the world was brought into being in six days of creation, yet its survival depends on the holiness of the seventh day. So how do we keep this actually as a holy thing? Does that mean that we just go, like, close our eyes and and pray all day? Does it mean that we sing, like, a 24-hour worship song? Does it mean that we eat, like, no pork on Sunday? Like, what, what does this mean? The Old Testament has 39 do's and don'ts to 
to the Sabbath. The Pharisees had much more than that. That's not the point. Here's the point in our language. If your idea of the Sabbath is the same as your idea of a day or a night off, then that's not a Sabbath. I don't think that's a Sabbath. You might need a day off. That's different. You might need a night off. That's it. You might need a week off. That's different. That's called a day off. The Sabbath is something different. You see, a night off or a day off is a time to catch up on errands and to catch up on bills and things around the house. That's not the Sabbath. But that's also not really a day off, right? Like, if I'm going to work, I'd rather, like, go to work. So sometimes we need a day off to catch up on those things. And then in our culture, we take a day off for what I would call leisure. Leisure and Sabbath are very different things. And if we ask leisure to be our Sabbath, some dangerous things happen. I'm going up to, to Minneapolis, and Minneapolis loves to leisure. And so they have like 10 boats per person up there. 82 fishing rods per person. 75 coolers per person. The good at leisure. And reality is leisure is very, very expensive because we can never leisure enough to replace the Sabbath, but we think we can. We think it's within reach. You see, in leisure, there's never enough. You could have a week off and you spend it all in leisure and then you get home and you're exhausted and you need a week off. And then you spend it all in leisure and you've got some great Instagram pictures, but you're exhausted because you just pursued something that doesn't actually fill you. In leisure, other people have to work for you to experience that. They're they're the ones who provide that. And part of it with leisure is we have to work more to pay for better leisure because we're sure if we have, like, the next thing, that's going to help. And this could be anything. If you like video games, there's a new video game or there's a new video game system. If you like golf, there's a better set of golf clubs or a better membership. If you like boats, like the folks I'm going up to see, there's a bigger and better boat, whatever it is. If you like cooking, which cooking is great, but if you're asking the leisure of cooking to be your Sabbath, then you do not have enough of the tools and things that you need to be able to do it, and you're going to go buy six new smokers and 85 new knives, and you're going to be exhausted, and you need a third job to cover your leisure. If you get a lot of leisure, you are awesome. I'm excited for you. But that does not satisfy your need for the Sabbath. Because Sabbath is where we have contact with God. Sabbath is where we stop and say, God, I know you are here. Help me to see and hear you. Sabbath is where we delight in the idea that we are beloved. Sabbath requires no money. Sabbath doesn't even require much time because it doesn't have to be 24 hours. It can be 10 seconds on a bench in a park. Sabbath is the moment where we say, okay, God, I am here and I am still and help me to experience the joy and delight that you have for me. And the rhythm that God intended this to be, we are so desperate for that that you have six days where you work hard, but that the way of the world starts to sneak in you, and we are built in a way where we need a full day 
to be able to breathe in God's delight of us and live in the things that we love to be refueled and re-energized, not to go back to work. Actually, the point is the Sabbath, not the work. Reb Zoman, when it comes to Sabbath, he says, today I'm going to pamper my soul. For some of us, Don just looked at me like, I don't pamper anything. Some of us guys are like, that's a weird word. And for some of us, that's a weird word to be next to soul. And that maybe that's part of why I like that quote so much. Say our, our faith is embodied in our body, in our soul, in all of our emotions, our relationships, all of this. And the Sabbath is the day where we say, yeah, we're going to experience delight. So I think the Sabbath is the day where we eat our favorite meal of the week. And then the rest of the week, we don't need it to be our favorite. It could be peanut butter and jelly. It could be something healthy. It could be a vegetable. That's fine. Because on the Sabbath, we'll feast. On the Sabbath, we can do our favorite things and, and enjoy just being alive. And then the rest of it, if, if we've got to do errands after work, we can do it. It's okay because we know we have this time. We've got this space where we are alive and we're in contact with God. That's the way that it was designed to be not just leisure, but delight in the presence of God. It goes on in Deuteronomy. Verse 14 says this, The seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Then catch this. You, or your son, or your daughter, or your male, or your female slave, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or your resident aliens in your town, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. On the Sabbath, there is no distinction between peoples. Where's daughters and sons? That's it. Daughters and sons. Now, there is a weird thing that we're noticing here. If it does not say your spouse. It says you and then it says your son and your daughter. Probably in the time, they're probably talking to the male. So you or your wife or your son and daughter is probably what would be that. That is absent there. And so I dug into that because I was like, okay, Sabbath is obviously for all adults as well as all children as well as all donkeys. Like, so what is this? And, and some early rabbis felt like that that was left out not as like this misogynistic move, but that was left out to say that there are some things that have to be done in, in the house. Like, we get weird extremes, right? Like, Pharisees did this. You, you can't pick a grain of, uh, from the field because that's breaking the Sabbath. And, and to leave this idea that, like, no, some things have to be done. It just, we're not to work. Not to make this big deal about things that are... Someone carries the tray of food and sets it on the table. That, that does happen, and that's okay, is, is what these rabbis were saying. Like, let's not... I know we could go into some homes right now. I watched a video of a, a Jewish family, current modern day, who's celebrating Sabbath, and they have, which is a little bit breaking this rule. I'm not exposing them, but I am. They have an employee who works in their house, and they don't turn off any lights, but the employee goes around and turns all the lights off. I, I, th I think that this, what 
the text is actually saying is, okay, if you have electricity, you can turn a light off. That's not the point. But let's not get lost in the identity that we find in work. Bigger picture with this. The Sabbath reminds us of what burdens are and what burdens are not. When we are just working and we live in this mode of exhaustion, we forget what we're burdened by. And the things that we treasure, we start to act like those are burdens. And the things that are burdens, we act like they are our treasures. When I am rested, my television is a television. When I'm exhausted, it's my escape. Very different things. When I'm exhausted, my kids sound like they are on volume 11. When I'm rested, they make me laugh more than anybody else on the planet. We're to live rested. There's this verse, I don't know if you've read it, Isaiah 56, 2 through 6. Is that what we're looking at? Yep. (laughs) It says this. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigners join to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to them, to love the name of the Lord and to keep his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Okay, here's what's going on. If that was a lot of words. He's saying to the foreigners who the world says, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. The world and often the church. I am a foreigner. I do not belong in this land. That's what the world says. And God says, as they Sabbath, they are my people. That identity is transformed. They're mine. They belong. Their name will be eternally with me. To the eunuch who the world says and their body says, I'm just a dried up tree. That says, your name is above sons and daughters. How? By, by keeping all the rules? No. By, by, by even circumcision? No. Not, this isn't the point. The point is Sabbath. If you Sabbath, you're my people. I think part of that is because when we Sabbath, we remember that we're God's people. I don't think it's at Sabbath like, oh, you, you obeyed. That was 24 hours and two minutes. You're in. I think it's as we Sabbath that we remember, oh, that's right, God, you are God. And as we Sabbath, it reminds us that people are not a burden. The foreigner is not a burden. It's a, it's a brother, a sister. The eunuch is not a burden. That's a brother. It's a sister. When I'm moving too fast, every car on the road is in my way. When I'm slow walking through town, every car makes me curious. In Exodus 35, 3, there's an interpretation of, of the verse that says, uh, you shall kindle no fire of controversy nor heat of anger on the 
Sabbath, there's, a, there's an interpretation of that as being our words. Abraham Heschel says, well, let's watch our words on the Sabbath. Let's not burden each other with stirring up controversies and fights. Let's, even if the fire of righteous indignation is the fire that you are stirring on the Sabbath, take a break. God's got you. It's okay to like laugh for a day. That'll be waiting for you the next day. Are people a burden? Or are you just overtired? If the people on Facebook are driving you crazy, 80% is because they're driving you crazy. 20% is because you're tired and then you can't hear anything right, and you're guessing tone, and you're all this kind of stuff, probably the best, just close it, take a nap, go to sleep. We'll be okay. So a practical question for us right here is then kids, how do we see them? How did you see them? We worshiped this morning. There were beautiful kids running around all over, right? (laughs) Running back and forth. When I'm tired, I think I have this serious, serious work to do that is worshiping. Why do I act like that's a serious thing? Like, I mean, it's important, but not everything important is deadly serious. It's the most important thing, and these kids embody it better than I do. These kids are beautiful. But how do we see kids? How do you see your kids? When it comes to your Sabbath, our are you seeing them as a burden? Are you seeing that they, they need to be occupied with something so you can do the serious work of resting? I mean, I get it. I've got Anna. Anna lives an inch away from either Nikki or I at all times. She's always with an eye shot, and if she's not, that means trouble. And Anna's needs are always greater than my needs even if it's just she wants to watch a snake video on YouTube. That's the most important thing in the world. And so how do you rest? It's Sabbath when you've got an Anna or you've got seven of them that are your own or whatever. Like, how do we do this? I'll tell you, we do not do it by teaching our kids that they're a burden. We don't do it by pushing them aside. Instead, we learn together. How do we rest? How do we have contact with God and pamper our souls with kids? We start to teach them how to do the same thing, but also, more honestly, we start to be taught by them how to do some of these things. How do we play if I don't have seven things on my mind and two, a phone and an iPad both out, but I'm just playing? How do we take turns where... I listen to a couple songs and then you watch a video. How how do we walk at your pace instead of mine? How do we make the backyard just the the greatest playland ever known and not worry about if water sprayed in the wrong spot or all my plants are dug up or anything like that? What are we communicating to the people around us? Are we aware what things are burdens and what things are treasures? And we spend it accordingly. I think the Sabbath reminds us and teaches us that. And the last thing here 
Verse 15 says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Here we see God saying, remember. Remember where you come from. Remember your story. You were a slave, which meant 24-7. You worked. And when you complained, you didn't get bricks anymore. You didn't get straw anymore. You didn't get anything. You had to go collect it and make the brick. You had to do everything. That was your identity. And if you slowed down, you, you got whipped. Like, it was not a good life. And so God reminds as a, as a bit of defiance to the way you once saw yourself. No, when God is your king, when God is your Lord, when God is your God, you rest. You're worth it. You kick your feet up for a day, and you pamper your soul. That's what that looks like. We need to remember our stories, and Sabbath allows us to slowly start to remember them. You see, this whole passage is in light of a wandering people who are unsettled without a whole home, and then they find Sabbath, and in the Sabbath they find a home. They find a place to settle. They find a place to be identified. I think this is critical for us right now. I'm not from Louisville, and people who aren't from Louisville, it's kind of a tough city to come into because everyone asks you what high school you went to. And when I say Champlain Park, nobody's impressed. And I've been here for 12 years. But as I've learned to Sabbath, I found a home. And it isn't just the Sabbath, it's you guys, it's, it's a lot of things. But two people who do not have a place where they feel they belong, there is a speed at which they belong. And that physical place may not be healed yet, may not be known yet, but that speed, that time, is when they belong in. It's a place to remain in Him. And so we get to set time aside where we can remember quiet and hidden memories. And in this Sabbath, we get to be restored as people who can wonder, safely wonder, and be curious. So your Sabbath might not be 24 hours. It's okay. I don't think God's going to take your birthday away. Take an evening. Practice. Your first five Sabbaths might be just sleep. That's because you're exhausted. It's okay. Eventually you'll be less exhausted. You won't feel like you did it right. That's okay. You didn't. That's not the point. You'll be okay. See, the good news is Jesus is sufficient to cover us as we learn to slow down, as we learn to enter this speed that God invites us to live in. He reminds us that it's safe to be tired and reminds us that what our burdens are and where we can lay them down. Remember, he says, come to me if you're weary and lay your burdens on me. And he reminds us what our treasures are. 
And not like the treasures of this world, or maybe even that, and we lay there, but like the things that really matter in our lives. Remind us that, oh yeah, sometimes I act like I'm burdened by the people closest to me, but those are the people that I love. And so instead we can treasure them. It's a place where we come in contact with the Almighty. Part of the dream that I have for this church is that we could become like Sabbath for people. That encountering us could be like a Sabbath. That sitting with somebody will feel like for a moment I came in contact with God. I I delighted in this life. I remembered my story and eventually more and more people find themselves in the rhythm that God invited us into. So a dear friend of mine was talking, I think she's learning some of this, has been at it for a while, but was talking about her family, and, and, and she thought she was, you know, sometimes you go for a walk with kids, and the end is the goal, and, and she, she lives a very still life, a very beautiful life, and she was walking with her two kids to the park, and her kids were mesmerized by everything on the way to the park, every little flower and weed, and and if I heard the, the memory correctly, before she got to the park, she realized that that walk was the point. That being mesmerized by the flowers and the weeds and everything that they crossed was the whole point of the thing, so we can slowly linger as we walk. We don't have to get to the park to have fun. We can just go where we go. And Sabbath is a bit like that. It's a place that's safe to wander and linger and trust that God is there. I said a billion words there. I hope a couple hit your heart, and I hope God met you in that. I'm going I'm to pray for us, and Rob's going to come up and, and lead us in communion. Will, will, you, will you pray with me?